Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Rebel Starbuck with you this week on Shooting the Shizat with my co-host Dylan Broda. Dylan, what's happening? What's happening? Well, hey, we had, uh, I guess we we waited a little bit of a time because there was just so much Shizat going on. There was the Wednesday Night Wars last week was Battle One, and uh, I mean, it's no surprise I guess people would be spoiled or not by now, but uh, AEW actually takes the first battle's victory, and um, I guess we can talk about that as well, uh, between NXT anyway, on this this show. But we also had the, uh, I guess, what would you call it? Some people are saying the worst pay-per-view of the year, at least somebody's uh, saying the, the worst finish Mm. of uh, recent memory, anyway. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this hell in a cell uh, between The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and... Da, 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 da. Seth Rollins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, which was an interesting matchup, anyway. A lot of controversy surrounding that. We'll probably do a two-part episode, so stay tuned for part two, where I think we'll do the hell in the cell mm-hmm. uh, review or talk about that debacle, if if you agree, but um, but yeah, and then NWA. And I guess to, we're recording this on October eighth, so tonight is their debut I on guess. YouTube. By the way, right? right. The right. thing is, I thought that they had a TV channel. I thought they had a TV deal clear, mm, but I, think, I guess not. I think they have it like in a, maybe in wherever market that they're filming. It might be mm. on like a local television channel. Yeah, because I listened to Billy Corgan's uh, his interview. Uh, it was from the Hard Rock Cafe in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, just prior to to these TV tapings. And he said, when some journalist asked him, "That uh, what uh, what's your plan now? Because you know you don't have television." And he said that, uh, "Well, the thing is that we're going to wait until we find a partner who wants to do business our way." Ah, yeah. Right. So the thing is that you don't want to skimp and you don't want to compromise on what your vision is for your company. And I guess that's the thing. But I think it's smart that they're doing this uh, relaunch of the NWA, I guess, studio show concept. It's called Power, by the way. Three R's. Power. Yeah. Um, and it's at 6.05 p.m. Uh, stateside time, of course, uh, tonight, as we speak. And I saw the rundown of the card. So there were two cards that were run for the NWA for these Power tapings and one of them was on the 31st or was it the, the last day of the month no the 30th sorry 30th of uh september and the first one was on october 1st and um they had a ton of matches because these were all pre-tapes for eight consecutive episodes of nwa power and all of this will be culminating by the way in the first nwa pay-per-view that's going to be coming up. Did you hear about this? I did not. I heard about it just now. I think it's going to be something like in the ballpark of, I'm just throwing out a number from my hazy memory, but I think it was there, was it December 16th? 
Oh, something yeah. in that ballpark. But mid-December, they're going to be doing a pay-per-view. The first one for the NWA, and I guess these power episodes will be building up towards that. Cool. So, good for that. I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really great that you have the... It's all it's a lot of ways like an alternative to all these alternatives because I think NWA, at least what I get from Billy Corgan's vibe is that he wants that really old school traditional kind of vibe going there. Yeah, and the thing is if he, if he wants that vibe, he's going to need to have that style presented too. Mm. Like the the wrestlers are going to have to be able to wrestle that style. That's where like a guy like myself for for crying out loud, if there's like any company at let's say AEW, WWE, NXT whatever and the NWA that I would like still be able to like at my age at 46 uh to offer something to the company as far as like an in-ring uh, you know, like visibility as far as like wrestling, actually. Yeah. I think the NWA would be the one for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I think you have that style. Yeah. I think you've almost, in a lot of ways, you've always had that style. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so that would that totally be a fitting, I guess, uh, place for you. So Billy Corgan, you have a, I guess a future champion sitting right across the table from me right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and Dave Lagana too. So heads up. There you go. Uh, anyway, but uh, as we as we uh, run down this Monday Night War thing that uh, that now has been taking place, or now the sh- first shots fired. I mean, the thing is that first of all, the ratings uh, as AEW ran their first show, they I would say that their numbers decimated NXT. Yeah, I mean, uh, and this is the thing. I guess this first battle, um, which we'll get into more detail uh, after the break, but uh, the first battle, I guess, I, I don't know, can you really say that it shows what the future will hold since it's like AEW has been hyping this premiere episode for the whole entire year, basically. Yeah. And uh, they hit a great number, I mm-hmm. think. I think if they can sustain somewhere... In that area, one point four. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. was uh, going on about they would they would be in good hands if they were doing like uh, five hundred thousand up to up mm-hmm. to a million in that category. And here they do uh, near like uh, one point five if you count, and I think even near two million if you count the replay views. Right. And, and yeah. then there was the fight TV. Uh, buys and uh, PlayStation, whatever it is called, that mm-hmm. you can watch on there. And but the the biggest thing that I heard that they won on was the demographic. They got they won like with re- like crazy. I think they even beat the previous episode of SmackDown mm. as well with the eighteen to it wasn't the eighteen to forty nine, but it was even the the youngest demo mm. that that I guess you're looking for eighteen to. 30 yeah and they they killed they literally like killed nxt Hmm. uh, with that number and i think that's the number that they want it's almost like the overall views don't even matter but if they can get that right piece of the pie of that age group uh then it's a it's a huge win and um uh, i guess wwe issued that congratulatory statement did you see that where WWE just, I think it was like one hour before the ratings went public, mm-hmm. WWE issued uh, a congratulatory statement congratulating AEW for a, uh, a successful premiere episode, and the real winner here is the fans. And this, uh, we would like to remind you, this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, Chris Jericho touched on this. There was um, I posted his interview from one of these talk shows. I forget the name of the talk show, but on my Facebook profile, and um, and he, he talked about this that you know them claiming that it's not a marathon, that it is a sprint, or you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the thing is that um, okay, for the sake of novelty, yeah, I expected AW to wipe the floor. Uh, the first time around. Yeah, yeah, okay. me too. So the thing is that I don't think that those first initial numbers are the telling factors. I think the fir- the next three weeks mm. are going to be the interesting, you know, yeah. like segues now. Uh, because can you retain that number? And, you know, are, are was it just the people wanted to see something new? Let's see what you got kind yeah, of thing, yeah. right? First time out. Um, and then... Next week, maybe it'll be a different story. Maybe maybe it'll be closer to to evening off. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, something else which is interesting about this, the first shots fired, was the first half hour. Uh, WWE, first mm-hmm. of all, on the USA was was uh, commercial free. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that they're they're looking for that hot start to keep viewers engaged for that first initial half hour mm-hmm. in the hopes that they're going to stick around for the remainder. Now, what did AEW do during their first half hour? During the commercial break, what did they do? They did that picture-in-picture deal. That's right, split screen. Yeah. So the thing is that they're still showing you what's happening. It's a smaller screen, mm. you know, like doubled up on, on you know, your, your big screen or whatever. But still, the thing is that you can see what's happening in real time yeah. during the commercial break. So the thing is that you're losing nothing. You know, uh, NXT also did that mm. later on in their show. Oh, did they? Yeah, mm. uh, on, at least on the USA. But a lot of people complained because they did it like, you know, they they didn't have that commercials for the first half hour. Well, they put those commercials that were supposed to be there I... later. Right. And so it was just like, you basically then watched the show uh-huh. in this tiny little box on the side of your screen for the rest of the time because there was just like... Oh, yeah, yeah overrun they even though they kept they uh, apparently kept driving it home limited commercial breaks and right limited, limited, yeah, 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 yeah. but it was all uh i heard a lot of british uh viewers talking about how it was just drove them insane that, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what you know you know what this reminds me of yeah it's uh back in the day chris jericho told me the story that uh, he was when he was wrestling for new japan pro wrestling and they'd go up in the small japanese towns up north and uh, Keiji Muto, the great Muto, would be wrestling on those cards. And he would do like next to nothing. Yeah. He'd do like two moves in a match up mm. in the northern towns. And Jericho would ask him after the, after the, you know, a certain period of time on the tour, he said, Muto-san, why do you do so little in your matches? Mm. And Muto told him, Jericho-san, every one bump less that you take is one bump more later on. Yeah. <laughs> and he understood. Yeah, it's good. That's right? good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And the thing is that in a way, now you can cross parallel with this with this example of uh, mm. you're, you're skimping on your uh, commercial breaks in the beginning. It just means more commercials later yeah, on. Yeah, that's big, big time right there. The <laughs> Muda was foreseeing this exact Mon- or Wednesday night wars. But yep. uh, before we go into the huge crazy details we'll just talk a tiny bit of news and i actually wanted to talk about the other let's call one of the other um uh wrestling companies out there that's having actually really hard problems and that's ring of honor Mm. and i don't know if you heard they had their death before dishonor pay-per-view really and was unbelievably low 
amount of pay-per-view buys. Okay. It was in an 800-seater place in Las Vegas. I think they had they papered the crap out of it, uh-huh. as in gave away free tickets and had about 600 people in the seats there. Right. A lot of people who were not interested in seeing wrestling but decided they're going to go see something because they got a free ticket. Uh-huh. Unfortunately... The pay-per-view buys were uh, some, uh, I mean, I might be saying a wrong uh, wrong number here, but from what I heard, they were as low as 3,000. That's bad. That's already like under the numbers of Impact Wrestling. Yeah, because we're talking, uh, I guess, all out was over 100,000 uh-huh. pay-per-view buys, as far as, I, uh, as far as I've heard, the rumor on the street. So we're talking... About let's say four hundred people paid and wanted to see the show live, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then three thousand roughly people bought the pay per view. Uh-huh. Which it's just like crazy low numbers. They were just okay. Yeah, it was with New Japan. They just sold out Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, was the, was this pay per view with New Japan too? No. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. They have Marty Skrull, they have Bandito, they got that Roosh. Uh, well, I mean, they have some... Uh, Flip Gordon, he's been he's been doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. PCO is there. It's like the Villain Enterprises, kind of like this Ring of Honors version of this Elite or Bullet Club or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it there. But they have amazing talent there. But they are just overshadowed. That first of all, the death before dishonor came right in the heat of uh, this Wednesday night war buildup. So nobody gave a crap about mm-hmm. Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So they're they're suffering right now, and um, it's it's kind of disappointing in in that way that people. I mean, that's I guess what we were talking about. Can can you have sustain this level of quality wrestling, uh, and actually everybody get a piece of the pie? You know what I mean? No, you can't. Yeah, no, you can't. And the thing is, like, put it this way. As much of a throwback in philosophy as this is, because this is an old school philosophy, and a lot of people want to discount, they want to like do away with the thing, yeah. the way things were. But still, that uh, if, if pe- it's just the people aren't buying, yeah. they, they they're not buying what you're selling. In other words, if you if you're drawing crap numbers, then for whatever reason, there's a disconnect. Yeah, and people are not invested in your product. Uh, the old school way of doing business back in the day was, for example, before the days and age of pay-per-view, um, when wrestling was regional, like in the States, for example, or even in, in, in Europe. Um, the, the way it would work is this. You'd go and do the loop. The loop was the uh, series of towns that, on that specific circuit. So let's say if it was like three states for that promotion, whatever it was, then you would do a loop for seven days around uh, that uh, three state demographic. Yeah. Um, and TV would be once a week. Now, if the numbers were down, in other words, the crowds were down, you always were paid on the gate. And because you were paid on the gate as a percentage, if the, if the crowds were, were small, it was up to you to do whatever you could to ensure that people would bring their friends and their families next time yeah. A week later yeah. to bring the house back up because your pay was hingent on the house. Mm. Um, so that said, I mean, the thing is that you had to make it interesting. If yeah. it, if people weren't buying what you're selling, you had to make them buy. Yeah, yeah. At whatever cost. 
Well, they're not doing it. Um, That's it. That's it. Because because of the guaranteed contracts. Here we go. This is the whole thing. Mm. If the guys and the girls are being paid based on a guaranteed salary, what's they they have nothing at stake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not their business. They don't give a flying fart. Yeah. About about the health of maybe that company at the end of the day because they have options to go work elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's really unfortunate in in that way. Like I said, you've got some great great talent there, and they and they are pulling off some pretty decent matches. But there's just not not enough meat and potatoes there that that you that you can't get elsewhere. Um, the other, I guess, uh, we'll jump over to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and there's a rumor out mm. there that. Minoru Suzuki and Harold May, the uh, Harold May being the current president of New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. um, they both uh, supposedly are on the way out. So Minoru Suzuki apparently has been unhappy with his position, and he's only in New Japan right now to uh, to I guess send off Liger. Mm-hmm. And then once he's done with that, he's supposedly rumor has it he'll just jump over to Noah, where he apparently is. Uh, I guess more interested in what's going on there, mm-hmm. and then Harold May. Um, I I don't know what the deal, but sound, what's the deal there? But they it seems as though they want to change up the presidency again, and maybe they're not happy with the with what he's done with the company and the. I guess he was he was put there big for their American expansion. So is it Bushi Road that wants to change the president or who is it? I'm not sure. Uh Uh, This is just the rumor that those two guys are supposedly on their way out. Okay. Uh, There has been grumblings in Mm -hmm. the last year or ever since Harold May took, took, uh, I guess, the presidency there Mm -hmm. um, that he made all these, I guess, uh, backstage changes that kind of like, Office office changes, mm. and a lot of the wrestlers there uh, weren't happy with that. Mm. And so even there's rumor that that was part of the reason for this elite team, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, Cody, and uh, the people who had some kind of New Japan uh, contracts there. They uh, they were unhappy with the office changes, and they that kind of fueled their fire for leaving. So... If that if that is the case, let's see what happens. But those are just rumors and all that jazz. But um, I don't know. It would be sad to see Minoru Suzuki go. But what more can he really do there? I guess it's it's almost like Jericho in WWE, mm. right? Because the thing is, once you've been there for that period of time, you've done everything. And once again, I mean, this is not a knock because I can look myself in the mirror. It's an age thing. Yeah. But once you become one of these veteran talents, even like Tanahashi, you know, but once you reach that certain age of like post 40, yeah, these younger pups on the way up, it's mm-hmm. like the future is in the hands of the young. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, of course these, you know, they got to get ready. They got to get these young guys ready. But the thing is that what can you expect Suzuki to do anymore? Like he's not going to be the champion there. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. And, He'll give and, some good matches, but... And that's it. Yeah. He's going to be there to get other people over. And in that way, for his legacy, just like Jericho did, I mean, I, I would be all for him jumping to another company, um, starting anew, uh, and, and basically just making his investment count. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. his name has value. I think so, too. Absolutely. Even worldwide. I mean, look at Britain. He's been to Britain. 
Yeah, that's true. Right? And he's he, huge. And he's huge. Yeah. yeah. In the UK, absolutely. He's over like gangbusters. Yep. So the thing is, um, yeah, Suzuki, it's just go for broke, man. Yeah, and I think that there was that time when Noah uh, was actually, I guess, taking a bigger piece out of the Japanese wrestling pie mm. than New Japan was for a while. Oh, that was, yeah, that was that was like 2004, 2003. Yeah, so I mean, Noah, I guess they're known for some of their some of the hardest hitting pro wrestling I've ever seen. Anyway, mm. uh, so maybe to the to the almost to the negative side where you get guys who you know, have disintegrated spines and things like that. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, um, let's see what happens there. It'll be definitely interesting anyway. But uh, another strange move was uh, the announcement of Smiley Kylie Ray, who has who had left All Elite Wrestling kind of out of nowhere. There wasn't much, I guess, press around it, just kind of that it was a, some agreed upon she's going to take some time out of the sport. And now she's been announced for Impact uh, Wrestling's uh, All Glory pay-per-view, I believe it is. And um, I know that she's been seen doing some indie uh, indie work, but uh, seems as though I don't know if she has a Impact Wrestling contract, um, as in like a full-time or part-time or whatever kind of time. But at the very least, she's going to be involved in this All Glory pay-per-view. So. They don't know who her opponent is, but what do you think about that? Well, I thought she was like quitting the business. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the way it just comes across to me is that uh, she was unhappy with something in AEW. Now, it could have been a chemistry thing with the leadership. It could have been that she didn't get along with the locker room. Um, you know, in a lot of places, by the way, you know, the one thing that you really need is not just the respect of your peers, but it's that you need to be able to get along. You need to be like one of the boys, quote unquote. Uh, and that's really important because the thing is that it's like a fraternity. Mm. It really is. Yeah. And if you find yourself on the outs of that frater- uh, that frat you know, party, so to speak, um, it doesn't bode well for you. Yeah, I could imagine. So if if you can be liked by the people that are around you, uh, that in general they hold you to be somebody that's uh, that's solid to work with in the ring. Uh, they can depend on you. They can trust you, and that you're a good guy, you know, or, yeah, yeah. or that you're a good girl, whatever, right? Mm. And you know, you're. Yeah, I guess you, it's like without having to become a part of any clique. Maybe maybe that's what it takes, you know, because wrestling is all about cliques. Yeah. But the thing is that uh, still get along with everybody. Yeah. Maybe Kylie just didn't get along with people like in that company. Yeah. And if that's the case, I mean, it's like, I just listened to Arn Anderson's new podcast. It's called Arn, right? And he's talking about uh, his departure from Jim Crockett Promotions, the NWA, which was a huge hit for the company back in 88 because Crockett was languishing like financially. Mm. Vince had nearly killed him uh, with the pay-per-view sabotage that we went through last week, right? And uh, the thing is that with Crockett languishing, his main components, like if you think about, even if you have a great good, like a super baby face, without a super heel, that baby face means nothing, Mm -hmm. right? So the thing is that you have to consider who are your main components keeping that baby face, feeding that face, keeping him alive. Right. And in the NWA back in 88, it was still the four horsemen. Mm. 
And so what Crockett had done was he'd given guaranteed contracts to the Road Warriors, to Lex Luger, guys like this, right? Yeah. I guess Flair had a contract, Sting, whatnot. But then he didn't bother uh, giving contracts to the other guys that were integral to his business. And uh, from this perspective, that they were the great evil counterparts to the great good baby faces. Mm. And they were the four horsemen. So in other words, guys like Barry Windham, guys like Arn Anderson, guys like Tully Blanchard yeah. were left without contracts. So it's like, how would you feel as a talent? You're the main event. Every night you're in the main matches, either semi-main or main. You're the one that's popping the crowd, leaving them completely exhausted after each and every outing. And you're getting a fraction of what this muscle head next to you is getting who can't yeah. who can't work nearly up to your level. Okay, now that's not his fault because the thing is that if he's a draw, great, yeah, good yeah, for yeah. him. But you're the other part of that equation. You're the flip side of the coin. Mm-hmm. You're equally as valuable because without you, they couldn't do their job. Exactly. So that's where I think that, you know, well, that's but that's wrestling 101 for all you all you young ones out there, the, those of you who don't know how the business actually works. But uh, moving on, moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's loads of stuff to cover anyway with this uh, start of this Wednesday Night War battle. Number one, we're going to go and take a, a commercial break, and we're going to listen to some pretty dang old awesome music. We got a cover of a band called Crossfire. No, it's not, it's not a cover. It's, it's one of our covers, actually. So I'm the lead singer of Crossfire, yeah. Southern rock band here out of Finland, originally out of Florida, started in 1991. Anyway, but the thing is, we, did, we covered Michael P.S. Hayes' Bad Street USA classic from 1983. It's the first rock and roll original song written by a wrestler, performed by Michael P.S. Hayes or the Fabulous Freebirds. And... Uh, no other artist except for punk act anti-scene has ever covered this. And this is the first time, to my knowledge, that a, re- a rocker wrestler has tributed another rocker wrestler from a different era. Yeah. So, enjoy. I love it.
My name is Michael Mudgelai, better known in the pro wrestling world as the Rebel Starbuck. I've decided to launch a brand new live action entertainment venture called Slam Wrestling Finland, which is an on-demand service offering the best top-of-the-line professional wrestlers out of Europe today. We can custom tailor the entire show from start to finish. Girls matches, triple threat matches, tag team matches, or then the good old one-on-one damn good wrestling match. If you got something in mind, we'll find the right guy or girl for the job. Slam Wrestling Finland is an on-demand live service that offers you, as the customer, the opportunity to choose as many matches as you would like. Contact us today at slamrest.fi or slamsports.eu. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you like that Bad Street USA cover. It, it's a hell of a hell of a song. I love performing it live. By yeah, the way, I can imagine it's that is going to play in my head for days. 
Hopefully, I don't get sick of it. <laughs> well, you know, I actually <laughs> in a be, good way. Before I came here today, by the way, to the uh, studio as we we record this here on this Tuesday, rather nice Tuesday going on here. Um, I did post it on Twitter, and uh, one of the people that I tagged and posted it on their wall on Twitter was Michael Hayes. All right, and he responded. Really? Publicly, okay. yeah. And he really dug the song, which is really cool because the thing is, it's like, out of all the guys that influenced my career in different aspects, not stylistically, not, not like wrestling-wise, but as a persona and as an especially promo guy, Michael Hayes was one of my, one of my biggest influences because, man, could he talk. Yeah. And we're talking about not just talk, but talk to get people over, talk business into the building. So, therefore, it's a nod to PS, uh, for a reason. Yeah. Not just for the hell of it. I, I re- he's like, uh, basically how I got connected to WWE back, WWF, I guess, when, I guess he did the, what was it, at least the, the Canadian TV kind of, uh, I can't even remember what the show would be called, but uh-huh. he was kind of do, being the, like, liaison for the Canadian TV, I guess, would it be TSN? I can't remember what it was back in the day, but it was always Michael Hayes doing his like explosive announcements of all kinds of things on TV. Was that when he was called Doc Hendricks? Yeah, yeah. What a horrible name. <laughs> Why did they ever bother to change? It's like Vince has this need to like make everything his own, mm. you know, like just... A handsome it... Doc Hendricks. I yeah, jeez. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty awesome, and uh, I can't wait to hear more of that. Maybe uh, maybe we can get it spun around the globe as well. But um, yeah, we got the Wednesday Night Wars happening right now. We're in, we just started. We had the first battle, although AEW and WWE are claiming there is no war. It's all, apparently it's just a, a marathon, you know. But you don't, you don't want to call it a war because we're living in this PC environment <laughs> nowadays. And of course that's a dirty word, but, and it, but the thing is that, yeah, it is a war because the thing is that you're, you're, you're competing for not just, uh, like viewership numbers, but you're competing for sponsors Yeah, and those people that are advertising the companies advertising on your show. So of course the numbers are going to be the deciding factor, not the viewer, uh, not the numbers in the building so much. Whereas, like you know, you're saying that NXT they had like what 500 people in the building, right? Some, something around yes. there. How much they can even hold there? I guess. Yeah, full sale university. Whereas AEW had something in the neighborhood of what 14,000 plus. Yeah. Which of course, I mean, it's a, it's it's like a Raw or a SmackDown taping in that way. Um, and good for them. Yeah. Good, good for them, man. Um, but that said, the real numbers are the televised viewership numbers and those are the numbers that actually dictate uh sponsors and advertisers yeah and i mean this of course we i mean everybody's got to understand as much as you can you know oh aw destroyed nxt which they did Mm. Uh, however this is uh battle one you know so it's round one round one exactly Mm -hmm. and and this this one i think everybody just expected it to go to aew because it's their First time out of the gate, everybody's going to have their eyes on this product. Very, very interesting to see what is their TV show, TV experience, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. What's it going to produce for the audience? And I, as far as I've seen, it's all quite good. The, the TV show, everybody liked it quite a lot. But this is the thing, NXT's 
answer to it or whomever's answering whomever was also quite good. So how can they really, because uh, as well, I watched this um, Dynamite. I watched it as a pay-per-view mm. because it felt like a pay-per-view. Yeah. And I think also NXT felt like a takeover pay-per-view. And they can't have that, uh, at least I don't know, this is maybe a, more of a question. Can they mm. have that level every week? Or is it, it's got to drop down a little bit at some point. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, because the thing is, I mean, you're putting your best out there the whole time. And it's like, you know, you're, you're giving people these, well, it's one of these Dave Meltzer terms, but um, five-star matches. Yeah. You know, or at least you're looking for that four or five stars. Um, and, you know, you want to you wanna wow the audience. You want to, like, just get as much attention as you can, make people invested in your product. And that I can understand. But, of course... Wrestling at this high level uh, does put a risk on the guys and the girls because uh, physically it demands so much of you, especially mm. the, the, the hard-hitting style when you, like, snug it up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, we'll get into, into the snugging up aspect as we go through that um, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view because there were so many. Mm. Yeah, there were a few uh, cracks in that resolve, I'll tell you that much. But uh, let's get into this, the, the AEW portion of this so first match out on the aw dynamite show was cody rhodes versus sammy guevara the first thing that struck me that like really struck me was that uh they invested quite a bit of money into cody's entrance yeah uh and what i actually really enjoyed um for some reason i don't know why but maybe it was the nostalgia aspect of it but uh, the way the show opened was they introduced the announce team Mm -hmm. and i i think that is like it felt then all of a sudden like this sporting event. You know what I mean? They had Tony Schiavone, which mm-hmm. I just, I can't get over how his voice is awesome. And it oh, must, he's great. It must be just, I just, as I was a huge WCW mark, I guess, mm-hmm. um, during those Monday Night Wars. And so it was Tony Schiavone's voice uh, that, that, and of course, JR, you know, I love, I love his voice mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But Tony Schiavone is like, I don't know why, his, even playing the video games, playing the WCW video games, mm-hmm, you know, and just hearing his voice just like clicked with me. And I thought he did a great job, but that they introduced the announce team yep. and then you kind of got to see what role each announcer was going to play, uh, you know, for for their part of the uh, the event. And yeah, and then you, like you said, they went right into Cody's entrance, basically. I guess they paid, played a little... Uh, package just so you can mm-hmm. see what's the deal. Like, why are these two guys here? And uh, I really liked how they teased. They just didn't play his entrance music right away, and then, mm-hmm. boom, it came on. And I guess they they let it hang for that moment, and it was nice. I, I thought it was a, a cool entrance. And the thing is that, like, if classically speaking, um, every wrestling show needs to have an underlying theme that you start with and you finish with the same theme. Mm. That's that's the traditional yeah. like, build, right? And so if you're thinking of who is the MVP of this AEW show, well, of course, so the guy's one of the owners of the company, but still, Cody Rhodes. It started with Cody, it ended with Cody. Even, yeah. if, even if he got his ass handed to him at the end, which we'll get into. But um, the thing is that he was the focal point, Yeah. right? So the thing is that they're, they built it according to the traditional model which is something Dusty would do yeah, as a booker. And so what did you think of this match? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, Sammy Guevara, first of all, 
for them to go, what, how long did they go? About 15 they, minutes? They went uh, at, at least 12, 13 minutes, over 10 minutes for sure. Oh, was it something like 14, I guess? But, yeah, okay, I'm, but, I'm not sure, but we can, we can, we'll check that. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, the point being that, first of all, um, my question to you is this. Now, th- this is getting down to the nitty-gritty, but this is a really good point. Uh, who is Sammy Guevara? Yeah, I guess we were, we start to find out now. Because exactly. Of, you know. Now, only now do you start to find out who he is. What's his track record before? Who is he as a personality, as a wrestling persona? I have no idea. Mm. And the thing is that Cody is established. So when you put somebody who's brand spanking new and you have them go even Steven for 14 minutes. Yeah. I have a problem with that because the thing is that, first of all, it downgrades the star because, first of all, by all all parameters, yeah. according to logic, this star who's going to be facing Chris Jericho for the AW World Championship on the next pay-per-view needs to be strong. He can still get the other guy over, but don't give him so much. Yeah. And the thing is that, that, that uh, Cody gave Sammy Guevara for... Like in in this aspect where you're talking about an established superstar against an up and comer, he gave him way too much. I, I hear what you're saying totally, and uh, it definitely seems to me like. Um, well, I heard Tony Khan talking about it, and he he's a real big fan mm. uh, of long matches, mm. and you saw that I think in this show mm. to mm. some. Some degree, was it good or bad? I don't know. But maybe this also was the reason why it felt like pay-per-view. Yeah. That uh, the matches were, uh, at least, uh, I would say that hangman Pac match might have been slightly too long as well. But but then again, uh, neither here nor there. I, I, I totally see what you mean. Mm. Um, I think Cody Rhodes made Sammy Guevara look like almost too good, or or was it too good? And um, But I think that Sammy Guevara at least... He showed, or at least they allowed him to show all his best stuff, and um, too much too soon. Maybe, maybe that's mm. true. Mm. Um, but then again, you got your first TV show here, and you want, and you're you're competing now with uh, Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle, and that match was probably the match of the night. Um, I would say so. You know, and mm-hmm. so you debut your NXT show started off with that match, which mm-hmm. is pretty ballsy in a lot of ways putting your best foot forward and then you got to put this out there and you got to entertain people and i i think for that matter um it was it was high flying but i also saw the storytelling there but yeah i think it was too too much too soon i did like the finish though i liked how cody won with just a a really tight cradle was it and um instead of some big wrestling move mm. you know we kind of had a more sporty sporty like ending to it anyway the thing is that uh there's 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 this thing where like in modern wrestling there's way too many false finishes mm. right and the thing is that there's a point in a match where if you listen to the audience you get the loudest pop of the night or, the, or not not the night but the loudest pop of the match at a certain point, it's like a it's like a fever pitch, yeah. Where people bought that false finish, it's like, and after that, you need to go home right away. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you need to wrap that thing up because mm. the thing is, if you draw it out and you start doing moves that get less of a response than that big huge pop that you just got, 
you're defeating the purpose. Yeah. And you're deflating the match. So therefore, even with this one here, they they should have trimmed it by at least maybe let's say three minutes. That that match. Yeah. And towards the end, leave out those over convoluted uh, false finish spots because the thing is that it's not. Once again, who is Sammy Guevara? That Spanish fly off the top to Cody. Why? Yeah. Well, I agree with that for sure. Right. Um, I liked that they gave this kind of like, could if Sammy Guevara hits that shooting star press, he's going to win. And mm-hmm. Cody is more experienced, gets his knees, and then rolls him up tight. And I, that's what I liked. And I think they could have done that three minutes earlier mm-hmm. and cut the rest. I liked... Um, I actually liked when uh, Guevara pulled Brandy Rhodes and Cody did the dive and smashed into Brandy and just that Guevara got so much heat and um, I thought it it kind of uh, led to the ending of the show, kind of gave you the sense that as to where Guevara was going to end up joining, but... um, but even that said, why was Brandy jarring at him on the floor? Why? Yeah, well, well that's what she does. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is that first of all, I, I, I mean, hear you, yeah. Cody's supposed to be a babyface, um, and for Brandy, I like just for no reason, without being incited, without being instigated or whatever, for her to just start getting in his face. I mean, as a wrestler, I could see that thing coming a mile away. Yeah, yeah, right. But even from a logic standpoint, it made no sense. Why did she start bitching him out for no reason? The the weird thing with Cody, by the way, is mm. that he is the ultimate baby face of that company, yeah. yet he's surrounded by heels. Mm. He's got MJF as his best buddy. Mm. He's basically the, the sleaziest dude in the whole company. <laughs> then he's got Brandy, who is the heel of the women's division, basically. You know, so it it's like a re- really strange... You know, she was the one who but came... Even she, but even her, she's not full out. She's not full out, you know, but uh, she is the one that hides behind Awesome Kong mm-hmm. and, and, you mm-hmm. know, takes the cheap way through and 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 all this kind of stuff is trying to pit girls against each other and all this jazz. Mm. So that's the, that's the weird thing for me with, with Cody is that it's funny to me how much everybody loves him. And I think they love him because... Uh, he he's kind of seeming to be the one responsible for AEW. So at the moment, he is the ultimate. He can't do, he could literally do the most heelish thing ever in the middle of the ring and people would still cheer it because they're fans of Cody. He's he's like the Triple H of NXT. So yeah, guess, so. yeah, yeah. But yeah, in that way. But, um, but head-to-head going up against this match on the other channel than on AEW, oh, sorry, on uh, USA was uh, Matt Riddle versus... yeah. Bay Bay. Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Um, hell of a match. Athletically, um, just the intensity was off the charts. But you know what? I had some problems with some of the stuff they did in this match because it was not credible. Mm. In the sense that if you're taking a Canadian destroyer and you're yeah. popping up right after taking it and you go into the next move or whatever, which they did towards the end. They did two Canadian destroyers yeah. in this match. I'm sorry, but you just bastardized the product. You just took it down a notch. You just told people that it's bullshit. Yeah. I don't buy it because of that. And the thing is, it's like one bad move. There's this, this is also an old school philosophy, by the way. One bad punch, one bad lockup, one bad whatever move where you expose the business, so to speak, um, r- can kill the whole match. You can do everything else in that match perfectly, but that one spot where you bastardize it. Yeah. Compromises the entire thing. 
I agree. I am not a fan of doing more than one Canadian destroyer in a match if you're going to do one and you're not going to end it pretty much right after that. Like, I remember when I first saw the Canadian destroyer from uh-huh. Petey Williams yeah. back in TNA days. That was like, it was the move to end all moves, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And now, I mean... Uh, it's a mid-match move. It's a mid-match move. And it's like, a, it's almost turned into a super kick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have seen... Well, I mean, we'll talk about Hell in the Cell in mm. next, uh, I guess, in the part two, but um, there was some stuff there that was just brutal that, you know, I think, I anyway, we'll get to that. But yeah, they're, they're, they kind of went overboard. Both of these matches went overboard. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they were trying to, um, they're trying to like build up their highlight reels, I think, you know, mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. trying to get a lot of content for the highlights but um at least next on the uh, nxt uh show we had this velveteen dream th- didn't we have that coming up yeah the couch with all the girls oh man i skipped it to be honest with you i couldn't handle once he started talking i was oh, i'm out of here yeah there's something there that's like a real disconnect where it just comes across as like disin disingenuous yeah yeah right just not yeah not i i don't think he's good with promos I think that he... Uh, he sounds too produced. Yeah, and I think he fumbled around, started didn't make any sense for a moment yeah. there and, and, and whatnot, but uh, it just it just didn't work for me. But uh, then in AEW land, they went to N- MJF versus Brian, or Brian, Brandon Cutler. Mm-hmm. Who I guess, by the way, does all of the graphics for their television. I heard that he's uh, involved in that way as well. Yeah. Um, what one thing that I really loved actually about this match was mm. MJF's entrance and that they fit in his promo time during his ring entrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. know, so they they didn't take any any mat like match time away. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just he cut his music and he as he was walking out of the ring he did his insult everybody promo which was good mm-hmm. and um, and insult his opponent which was good um, and then. And then you didn't have a didn't have to take it away from the match. But uh, what did you think about these two guys going at it? This Brandon Cutler, um, his backstory, I think, is terrible. <laughs> because put it this way: so what they're telling you on live television is this: they're saying that he's a friend of the Young Bucks and he trained with the Young Bucks back in the day. And basically, the reason why he's even got a job is because that he was away from the business for a long period of time. But now, the Young Bucks just hired their buddy to come into the company. Yeah, that's the backstory. It's terrible. It's like you're you're hiring your friends, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you're telling people right out, we're hiring our friends. Um, yeah, I mean, and I mean, this happens in business all the time. But the thing is that it's one thing for John Wayne to kill the Indians in in, a, in one of his old Western movies. Yep. It's another thing to show John Wayne walking into the sunset hand in hand with the Indians afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, the thing is, uh. That aside, which I totally agree with, um, and I almost think that they're they're using that, and they think that that's the right way to go. I don't mm. know, but um, mm. because why else would they kind of mention it? Right. But um, he he's I think a, a jobber, and but I think he that's his role, and I think that they're underappreciated in a lot of ways. The the guys who they got it, there has to be somebody 
to lay down for somebody else. There has to be somebody on the underneath side of yeah. things. <laughs> um, but the thing is that with Brandon Cutler, for example, this match here was like two minutes and change, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So it was a very short match. For the substance and the body of work in that two minutes, um, I didn't quite feel that, let's say MJF didn't get over to the degree that he could have gotten over for that, because th- this match was like basically laid out to get MJF over, Yeah. right? And Brandon Cutler slipping off the top rope and landing on both feet and then just tweaking his ankle, so to speak, was like the worst, I don't know what you'd call it, what heat spot or whatever. It was like the worst little, you know, slip on a banana peel that I've seen in ages. And like uh, there was some speculation, was that uh, a a botch? That was a botch. You know, but to me, when I watched that and he landed, I I just yelled at the TV sell something just sell something and he stood there staring off into the distance he's like a doe in the headlights yeah and then and then he did he sold his knee so i'm happy that he at least did that and he tried to limp to uh a running uh, you know could <laughs> there's been people who just don't know what to do after that yeah and they don't sell anything and it just it really is a botch yeah so this was uh at, at least he went i say at the very least he he sold that his knee was tweaked or whatever was tweaked. But boy, oh boy, unfortunate. I don't know what the heck he was going to do there. I'm sure he's kicking himself in the face for that. But because he was doing some pretty good stuff mm-hmm. uh, up until there, I, I, I liked, you know, showing some fire. And then, then um, I, but what I really loved here was the also the absolute finish where MJF puts on his salt of the earth or whatever it's called. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, Fujiwara armbar or something. Some um, type of... Uh, re- Submission. Yeah. Mm. And Cutler tapped out like that. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. And I, that's been missing. I hate the 10 minutes with a sharpshooter on trying to go for the ropes kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I get it. I get it where you want to build some drama, but mm-hmm. it's. I think it's gone way too far mm-hmm. in, the, in the mainstream pro wrestling. And I love that... Cutler tapped right away and and sold his shoulder on the way out as well. So that was at least it got a bit saved there. But yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate botch. But uh, what can you do? I mean, it, then again, there you go. It is live TV. But um, moving on. Yeah, over on to after Velveteen did his whole ridiculous thing. We had Io Shirai versus Mia Yim and. Uh, what did you think about this ladies' match here? You know, the thing is, once again, I've never been a fan of Mia Yim. I don't get why uh, so many people are high on her. Jim Cornette's high on her. Shanna, who's worked for Slam Wrestling Finland uh, a couple of times, she's she's high on Mia Yim too. Yeah. Um, other people are high on Mia. I, I don't get it because when I look at her work and I look at her her body language and I just, she's not dynamic. Mm. Uh she produces like a lackadaisical feeling. Like when you look at her, her movement, her execution, there's something about it that's half-hearted and, and something about it that just, you don't feel like there's a hundred percent commitment to what she's doing. Um, but this match here, Io Shirai is like as good as good yeah. gets. Like for female wrestling or wrestling, even in general, I mean, Io Shirai is the shiz at, man. Yeah, she's really good. She's awesome. She's got a good look, great look. Um, she's attractive woman, um, and works her ass off in this match. 
and she went over strong. I mean, Io took the Duke. Yeah. That and, and she went over Mia Yim rather strong, which and clean. Yeah. Um. Good. Good for her. Uh. I hope they've got something in store for Io. Um. And the thing is, you know, I don't want to rag on Mia Yim. It's not like I want to be a prick. I don't want to be an mm. a hole and 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 just like. Some people might get that impression because, you know, some people, it doesn't matter what you say. You can say Apple and they'll hear the word whore for some reason. It, it's not that at all. It's the fact that there's just something like from a wrestler standpoint with Mia Yim that doesn't translate. It just doesn't. Um, I think that EO uh, definitely should have won this match and she did. So yeah, uh, overall... This, I think Mia at the beginning of this match didn't look as good as towards the end. I think that Mia got better with time over the duration of the boat. Yeah, I thought there was a little bit of some, I guess, flubby stuff happening there at the beginning as well. And I mean, it just didn't seem so super tight. Maybe the chemistry mm-hmm. was kind of hard to hard to get. But um, but in the end of the day, I thought it was a it it worked for for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it was one of the better women's matches of of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, then again, I don't know if they have how much have they worked together before. If if you have any idea, I can't. I don't think of think. them. Maybe in Japan at some point. I don't. I have no yeah, idea yeah. to be honest. But but, but I guess mm-hmm. they're then they are trying to f- you know find their find their chemistry there. And I guess they did by the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. see if they they go again at some point and. Maybe there's a 50-50 booking thing that way. But mm. then over here we had in NXT land as well, they did their, their celebrity shots of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the outsiders. Looking rather gray these days. <laughs> as gray as gray gets, to be honest with you. Yeah. and uh, Grandfatherly. That, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I guess they're pulling out all kinds of stops to have you tune in. And then uh, what I really liked is this... Uh, Tegan Knox, this uh, Welsh uh, wrestler mm. uh, who had injured herself, I guess, quite a few times. Uh, I think they wanted... I think a couple of knees are, yeah, in- injuries, right? Yeah, both knees got blown right out. Oh, I'm that's crazy. Sure. Yeah, oh, and uh, one after the other. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think they were really interested to use her quite mm-hmm. quite a lot more. So it's good to see that she's she's actually coming back because both times those knees happened, there was a threat of career uh, ending injury. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that uh, that was that, and um, you know it was. Uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll see what she has to offer, and hopefully she doesn't blow out any more knees if if she has them. But uh, um, then actually they did this in AEW where they did a this uh, Chris Van Vliet. He's also from Toronto, mm. um, and he's now I guess doing these interviews, some somebody, I guess, interviewing the celebrities there. And they had Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, Jay and Silent Bob, and Chris Jericho's, I guess, in their latest movie. <laughs> and he did a ringside interview with them, which caused some hubbub with uh, Jack Evans and, and Helico, and then Private Party came in. And to me, this was a dud mm. of a segment. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that they interviewed Jack, uh, Kevin Smith and... and uh, Muse there, Jason Muse, and but it was just like I don't know. I heard a lot of people saying, "Yeah, it was all right." You know, it didn't last for too long. But to me, it couldn't have been over soon enough because I thought it just didn't make any sense. I didn't understand what the hell they're doing there in the first place. I think I think it's just a case of AEW wanted to get faces on television, 
just to give them airtime and breed familiarity. Yeah. But then again, remember that familiar, familiarity once again breeds contempt. Yeah. And to me, this was, this was a, I think they got to do better next time in these kind of little skits. And then mm-hmm. they did their, right after it, they did their uh, video package of SCU, which I thought was pretty okay with them, with actually Scorpio Sky doing a great, weirdly good Obama impression and Frankie Kazarian and um, Christopher Daniels being the Secret Service, and they did their whole bit about worst uh, town I've ever been in. And, then, the, and by the way, they, they did that Obama thing because they were in Washington for this show. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it made sense. But then they went back to the arena, and then they kind of did it again yeah. live in front of the audience, which I was, mm, okay, a bit redundant. Mm-hmm. And then they had the little pull apart with the, the Lucha Brothers, which I guess it was okay, but... To me, it, it just seemed forced and, uh, mm-hmm. and mm, you know, when Jericho does it, when Jericho came out to do the beatdown, which we forgot to mention, I guess. Yeah, beat in that down first on, match on yeah, Cody. On Cody yep, yep. With the, the handshake with Sammy Guevara. Mm-hmm. When Jericho came down to do the beatdown, to me, that seemed, uh, it seemed improvised, mm-hmm. so not scripted, and he just did what he felt and what the crowd wanted, uh, you know, he played off the crowd and all mm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like, uh, it felt like a, a, you know, maniacal dude coming beat, doing a beat down and then getting an idea. Okay. I'm now I'm going to hit him with this and, uh, Oh, I'm going to hit him with this and mm-hmm. whatever. And it, it made a lot, it made a lot of sense, felt exciting, but this altercation between the Lucha bros and SCU was just weird. I guess in that way, which it felt so predictable and and kind of paint by numbers, but whatever. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was it was what it was, I guess. And um, you know, I guess uh, then you can just move on in the show because they didn't have any more segments at all. They just kind of gave it to you all in one jaunt. But then uh, then we had Hangman Page versus Pac or Pack and. Uh, this was supposed to be a uh, double or nothing, a double or nothing match, and uh, here they have it on their first episode of TV. I thought this was rather good. Yeah, it and was. It was. It was hard hitting. This this was a, a snug match. This this was to me like a, a real deal pro wrestling match, and um, mm-hmm. where I watched it on Fight, so you didn't get the commercial breaks. Mm. Um, so when they went to commercial. You just got to see uh, what was going on, and mm-hmm. and Pac was basically rolling in and out of the ring, uh, getting super heat with the crowd for mm-hmm. not wanting, not like installing the start of the match, mm-hmm. which of course because they went to commercial mm-hmm. and they did, they don't want to, they didn't want to start the match and then go right into commercial, mm-hmm. a la WWE kind of style. Mm-hmm. But uh, and he just rolled around and he was taunting the crowd, all kinds of great stuff. He's he's really really good at working up the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then he rolls into the ring, and they start the match because they came back from the uh, commercial. Mm-hmm. And here's where they did the pitcher-in-pitcher, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this match, uh, in one way, maybe it was slightly too long, but then again, uh, you know, the pro wrestling fan in me liked that. And I just loved the finish of this match. But I mean, Pac went over strong. Oh, man, did he ever. You're talking about Io Shirai going over strong on the other channel, but we're talking about Pac. I mean, for all the hype that Hangman has gotten now, mm. it's like he, he was just taken down a notch or two. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's even 
like they had to do something here. Mm. And uh, and man, did they make Pac look good. Hangman made Pac look great. Mm-hmm. Pac himself made him look great. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just a total ugly bastard, you know. And uh, and that I felt was was really good. The, just that finish where he does this. Uh, what does he call it? This black arrow. Uh, where he lands like belly to back, mm. where Hangman's laying on his belly, mm. and then he just immediately puts him in this uh, that finisher that he's got this brutalizer, mm-hmm. and it was referee stoppage supposedly. I thought mm-hmm. Hangman tapped out, but I guess it's been cleared this re- referee stoppage because mm-hmm. he was just out. And uh, man, after Pac beat beat Kenny Omega, passed him out with that brutalizer, mm. he just looks like just like a terrorizing force and he's got the look he, the look in his eyes even looking at him in this picture here mm. it just he's he seems like the real deal just a total psychotic bastard you know what Pac reminds me of or Pac reminds yeah. me of by the way or who who Chris Benoit yeah 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 totally yeah he's got he's, he's got the same snap yeah. yeah and and the intensity yeah and even the build i mean the muscularity the yeah. definition totally so and even the size i mean it's like benoit wasn't that big either as no, like no. stature wise yeah yeah so you know it's it's like a welcome reincarnation of the kind of wrestling that i like my myself eddie guerrero same the same cut yeah yeah, yeah same totally. style too yeah i bet there's huge influence there on yeah, him as well absolutely it reminds me of this one time, by the way, I just got a segue here for a second. Yeah. I, I was wrestling myself in, in France in 2009. How would you wrestle yourself? Uh, that's a, <laughs> okay. That was a snafu. Okay, anyway. But I was wrestling uh, in, in uh, France 2009 on this tour, and uh, there's a guy called Chad Collier. Now, mm. the people in the business will know who Chad is. Uh, other people just won't know. The, the general public won't know who Chad is. But Chad was a hell of an amateur wrestler. Mm. And uh, he he traveled the uh, the circuit for Brian Dixon in the UK for All Star Wrestling many many times and wrestled all around the world. I'd, I'd never wrestled Chad before. He wrestled under the under the mask as uh, the Metal Master. All right. And I asked him before the match, "So what's your style like?" Oh, I'm like Chris Benoit, like Eddie Guerrero. And I thought, boy, that's mighty high. Yeah. You know, <laughs> mighty high praise of oneself. And man, did he deliver in that match? Really, yeah. Like, yeah, I had two matches with him, like two two nights back to back, and he was just like a Chris Benoit, just like an Eddie Guerrero. So, Pack is cut out of the same mold. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed the match. I thought, if if not, I mean, was this match better than um, Adam Cole and Matt Riddle? I guess it was a, just a different style match. Different, different. Um, mm. I have, I mean, I don't know, maybe in that way that uh, this match was more uh, believable, that uh, it felt more like a real deal fight and um, that it actually ended in a proper way mm. uh, without a thousand Canadian destroyers or whatever. Um, but I guess it could be also match of the night as well. I mean, this this was really good and I, I love to see this on that on the AEW show and I think if they can have a match of this caliber on every dynamite at least one match mm. that is this style I would say like clear real deal pro wrestling match mm. Mm. then it's a it's a no brainer that I'd tune into it every night mm-hmm. 
But then uh, after that, uh, we go over to NXT now, and we have Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne. And I guess a lot of people, this was Johnny Gargano's kind of like comeback to the ring match and uh, figured he's going to go over this Thorne uh, pretty pretty easily. easily. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it seemed to be actually quite a, a contest. And it w- this was good. This was yeah. really, really good. I mean, this put Shane Thorne as a singles player on the map. Yeah, exactly. I think, that, and that's uh, what, which guy would you choose to do that? But of course, Johnny Gargano, because he's the one who they're going to use to make sure that somebody they want to get over gets over. And, and the thing is that if you look at the sequences, that we're talking about timing, mm. talking about gate, G-A-I-T, for those of you who don't know him, not talking about the the gate. That you open. The, the, the gates of heaven or anything. Um, but yeah, if you're looking at just the general flow, the gate, the rhythm, things like that, uh, of like offensive sequences, look at Shane Thorne towards the end of that match when he did that senton into the corner, mm. that flipping senton, and just like... If you want to, it's like, you know, a song by, let's say, ACDC, you know, it's a steady rhythm. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for, even though, okay, it's more like interval training, like wrestling, where it's not so much a steady, steady rhythm all the way through, but it sure as shit also ain't uh, progressive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear so, you. So, but here in these offensive spurts and sequences in this interval idea, uh, Shane Thorne, so crisp, so smooth, and so dead on in pocket. Mm. He, I mean, he stood out in this match. After this match, when you, your aftertaste of Shane Thorne, purely positive. Yeah, I don't think he, I mean, he, of course he lost the match, but he didn't. This is the funny thing with that uh, WWE usually mm. makes the loser look like a loser. You know what I mean? But here, mm. we had... Uh, both guys actually look strong, mm-hmm. and that's that's what you know. I think New Japan is is always, the, in my opinion, the the leaders of of that style, mm-hmm. making both winner and loser come off strong. Because, as you've said many times before, mm. if you're going to beat a loser, then it's not much of a win. No, who did you beat? Yeah, you beat nobody. Exactly. So here, this to me was a was a was great booking in that way, and. Um, yeah, I mean, again, NXT is is they have really they have a really great pro wrestling show. Uh, as much as they want to call it sports entertainment, they you know as as much as they want, I think this is as far away from sports entertainment in terms of NXT as anything in inside the, the WWE universe. I think that the one thing that these wrestling shows need to get uh, like more of just to establish characters. Uh, to to give people a reason to root or to jeer or to care mm. uh, is like just individual promos. Like they used to do back in studio wrestling days. They'd have the guys just come out randomly, like, not with music or anything. Just, yeah. just have them just come out onto the set. They'd have a separate area for the promos. And just have them cut promos. Yeah, yeah. And And if you, like let's say if you had Shane Thorne before this match, just even in the backstage before he went out, just cut a promo. Yeah, 
uh, have an interviewer back there with a microphone, whatever, and, and just have them say something for like a minute. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have given even more to this match. Mm. I think it would have meant, uh, gi- like, given Shane Thorne personally more weight yeah. as a wrestler. I, th- I think it would have even, like, played into the finish of the match as far as people would have cared even more. Yeah, I... I- I think that's what NXT is actually, weirdly enough, lacking is that entertainment side. And that, yeah, that's not even really a question of, of like entertainment. I think like it's just a question of getting over a personality because it's not a skit. Yeah, I hear you. Right? It's not a vignette. Yeah, yeah. It's just a promo. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's true. I don't. Was there even any promos on mm. this show? On NXT well, shows. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, Velvet, 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 oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that doesn't count. Velveteen Dream. That was horrible. But... Um, then we had, uh, still on NXT side, Shayna Baszler and Candice LeRae. Uh, what the, did you think of this? The best match from Candice that I've seen so far. Mm. And it's saying a lot for Shayna how far she's come as a wrestler, too. You know, yeah. when she debuted when that first May Young Classic uh, tournament, yeah, I was not, like, all that impressed with Shayna because the things I saw, she was a work in progress. Second of all, uh, a really bumpy, really like rough around the corners at that time, man, has she in the last three years, two, three years, she has just evolved. I mean, it's, she has the, the, the moth, uh, or like the, the larva in, yeah. in the cocoon has become the moth. She, mm. she has, she has shed yeah, her skin. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a foregone conclusion. Like Shayna's over so strong as a personality as quote unquote, the magician, uh, was it? No, the submission magician. Mm. That's the tag they, they've given I like her. It. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that people almost don't give her opponents any hope in hell of winning. Yeah. So, uh, for Candace to go into this match and shine as she did good job, honestly. Um, I, I don't have any problem with this match. Yeah. My only small issue is, is just that, uh, I felt that the submission at the end, the finish was held a little bit too long. I would have, I just liked, I just think that if a submission goes on, mm. um, it's okay to fight for a moment, but I think it just, it takes away from the, you know, the, the pain of the submission. I guess I get the fighting spirit, la, 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 but yeah, right. I think by the time you get to that point where you get the person in the submission mm. and you lock it on tight, it should be it should be done, mm-hmm. or at least at least pretty fast afterwards, because mm-hmm. it really gets. I think it's not it's not getting even the the wrestler over. It's getting the the actual move over. Mm, that's you know? right. Yeah. But anyway, that it's a very small critique, uh, I would say. But then we go to the other side of the coin, and we had the women's title, the inaugural women's title match between Riho and Nyla Rose, and um, this to me was, I guess. I hoped it was going to be better, and um, it was, in many ways, the better women's match I've seen in all elite wrestling. Mm, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. It and I think it, nearing the end, it actually got quite good, mm. but um, there was just a, a lack. There was something lacking there, and I thought that um, I don't know. I'm, you know, I think Riho probably, like, I, I've seen a lot of stuff out of her that's been really good. She was laying in some forearms that were just super nasty, stiff looking. And then she also laid in some really lackadaisical forearms right in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Because I think the, the first, 
would it be seventy first like I don't know like uh, two thirds of this match were not good, and I was like, oh my god, you know what? This match, there's a way to do the David versus Goliath mm. formula, right? Now in the beginning, Riho does the spinning helicopter head scissor. Yeah. Right? And takes down Nyla Rose, who's like double her size, triple her size, whatever, yeah. right? Like yeah. weight-wise. Makes no sense. Yeah, well, that, uh, I think we, I, I said it right away when when that was going on, that like, mm, yeah, the, because it kind of kept going back and forth. Was, was Riho like too small? And would Nyla no sell her for some stuff, but not other things? Mm. And, you know, she couldn't get her over for the Northern Lights suplex, which was like, well, why would you even try it in the first place? But I, I got this. She tried it so many times and then eventually went and did it off the off the second rope or top rope or whatever. Mm. And I, it, the thing about this match, though, that I have to say is the crowd was, like, lit up. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. Riho... Actually, I kind of popped because I didn't think Riho was going to win. Mm. But uh, when she did win, I was like, what? Okay. And... I like the double knees to the mm-hmm. face. It looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the match was starting to gain some momentum and good. And the crowd just, they roared so loud. Mm-hmm. I think if the crowd had gone for popcorn here, mm-hmm. which maybe some of them did, but um, then it, this match would have really stunk, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but here's the thing is that um, I don't, I think that uh, there's a lot of experience in Riho. I think that Nyla is, under-experienced for this kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, well, let's see what goes on. The, the worst part about this segment, this match, was that they had Dr. Britt Baker on commentary. Oh, man, is she is, she's like a, a black hole of charisma. Oh, my God. On At least on commentary. A beautiful girl, mm. right? A looker. But, Matt, even like her voice, it's like... She felt out of place on commentary. It felt like she had nothing to say. She spoke very little. Yeah, and, and, and the, yeah. the the stuff that she said, you know, JR was feeding her. But basically, like, isn't this a, a great position you could be in to, like, study, your, you know, your future opponents? Mm. The answer was, yes, it is, JR. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, alrighty. And then they would cut to her every once in a while, and she's just sitting there staring. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing. And I, yeah, it was just, yeah. oh, man, you just... You, you don't get over that Yeah, way. just no. don't. Why did you do it? Why did you come out? And if you're going to come out, why weren't you prepared? But... D- did you hear her towards the end of that match, or like once the match was over, when Jim Ross said that maybe we'll have you back sometime? She said, I hope not. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, she said, great. I, she, she, she said, I hope not. I'd, I'd rather be in the ring than here. Oh, well, there, well, yeah, I would rather that too. I but, mean, but yeah, I mean, it's like Jeez. she, she could smell the, the toast burning too. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this, uh, this is a total aside, but this commercial on, in the Canadian television that was like part of our heritage yep. and that like that woman who could smell burnt toast before she was going to have a seizure. No, I didn't know. Oh yeah. Then no. some Canadian brain surgeon figured out the connection la 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 anyway that's my that's whatever i think about when burnt toast but hopefully i'm not gonna have a seizure but yeah i mean to me this match was like half good half not good at all mm. and um i don't know the belt was actually weirdly tiny oh it uh, was it was made for reho man yeah that's the thing i was after i saw the you know somebody actually holding the belt i was like well there's obviously she's gonna win because it's not gonna <laughs> it's basically you know anybody else it it would look like a toy so but anyway uh i mean 
there was a bunch of people who actually said this was the match of the night, which I don't get it because it it was not good uh, at the beginning. There was mm. there was I think Riho. Uh, this is another problem I had in the match. There was a weird moment where. Nyla had Riho in some STF or some kind mm-hmm. of submission. STF it was. Yeah, yeah and man. Riho went unconscious. Or at least that's what it looked like. She made the ropes. No, no. She no? Did, we in the middle of the center of the yeah. ring and her eyes, gl- she did the roll her eyes back into the head, close her eyes, and like kind of hands flopped. Yeah, yeah. And then Nyla let it go. Mm-hmm. And the ref like waved off. Oh, yeah. He started waving off. No, she's. Cool. I think there were two STF sequences in that match. Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about the the second one. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, I was kind of like, "What's going on?" And I get, you know, let's go back to Minoru Suzuki puts on that sleeper and then mm. gets the guy all weary and then throws him in the gotch pile driver and wins the match generally. Mm-hmm. And I thought, is she going for that here? Is she STF until Rio almost goes out mm-hmm. and then picks her up for a you know a, some kind of power bomb and. And that's her thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It didn't work for me, so it just looked like an like an accident. And I think they had come back from commercial as well during that time. But anyway, uh, I thought, yeah, it was the best AEW women's match so far. But it was definitely not the best women's match of the night, unfortunately. But then again, hey, the crowd gave it a giant pop. So what can you can't hold much else against it. Meanwhile, on the other channel... Yeah. What did we do here? Then we had uh, Pete Dunn, yeah, versus Danny Burke. Birch. Birch, Birch yeah. yeah. Danny Birch, who is the former Martin Stone mm. from the UK. So we're talking about two Brits, or uh, like two UK guys, yeah. that way, against each other. Um, the thing is that, I mean, this was wrestled like a UK wrestling match. Yeah. And, and Danny Birch, Martin Stone for for the life of him, is a great wrestler. He's mm-hmm. he's really damn good. He doesn't have the superstar look. He has that journeyman look. He has that, you know, the, the mid-card, uh, you know, your, just your good hand look, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and he is. He's a great hand. Um, Pete Dunn taking this one. As you would expect, some really decent wrestling. I've got nothing bad to say about this match. I mean, Pete Dunne is like the reincarnation of Mark Rollerball Rocco. He's mm. like the reincarnation of Dave Fit Finlay. Yeah. He has that real true grit European strong style, hard hitting British style um, wrestler aura about him and, yeah. about, and his style. And he's minimalistic too, but he's a minimalist wrestler. Yeah, I He think doesn't so. do much, but what he does, he does so damn well that, uh, yeah, you, you just can't slight him. The one thing I think he does too much of though mm. is the snap in the fingers. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, you know, it's like at some point, somebody's got to have a broken hand. Otherwise, mm. it's redundant. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you, you, it's very true. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to like blow out their, their their fingers and they can't punch. They can't do nothing with that hand at, at like afterwards if it happens in the middle. Even if it happens at the end, somebody's got to blow out a finger. Yeah, at first, this match to me was kind of like paint by number Pete Dunn match, which means that it was really good, but it kind of didn't show me anything New. It's like I have seen this match before many times. Yeah. So, and I knew he's, okay, Pete Dunn's going to win in about 10 minutes. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. away you go. And uh, so I did actually watch this match and kind of, you know, do other things in the background at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then I did 
then what was nice was a nice surprise, even though I'm not a fan so much of this Damien Priest, who I guess was Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. He came out, and I guess now they have a feud with Pete Dunne. So he's actually, re- he's not just wrestling guys for the sake of wrestling guys. He's actually now in some kind of meaning, program. meaningful program, mm-hmm. which I now I'm now I'm interested. So because you know, let's let's see what goes on. I, I'm sure it's going to be cool. Uh, let's you know, I'm like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Damian Priest. I, I never liked much of what he did so far yet in Ring of Honor and and now here, but. Let's see. Uh, I could be pleasantly surprised. Well, let's go to a commercial break here, the last commercial break, and then we'll wrap up this show for this week. And uh, then on to the next episode later on with our review of Hell in a Cell. Hey, everyone. My name is Drew, and I'm the host of the Ghost Train Podcast, the podcast that dives right into the creepy and freaky world of the paranormal. Join me every Tuesday as I take you on a spooky and fun ride full of scary ghost stories. I use my unique sense of humor and ability to laugh in terrifying situations to mask my fear of the stories being told. I'm always asking questions and trying to find answers to the unexplainable. Listen if you dare. And once you do, good luck sleeping tonight. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. Estrada Creative Helsinki. Your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. And then the main events of both shows happened to be some form of tag match. And in uh, NXT side, it was the Undisputed Era with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Can't go wrong there. Versus the, I guess, uh, newly returned... Street Profits of Montez Ford and and, uh, Angelo Dawkins. But were they in for one night only? I don't know. Uh, Because now we forgot also to mention that Finn Balor came and uh, challenged, or I guess seems as though he's challenged Adam Cole. Mm -hmm. So he's now returned to NXT to give some kind of life there. Let's see. But um, yeah, I don't know. If they're just there for this first night, let's... uh, I'm not exactly sure are they... 
uh, in for the long haul. Mm -hmm. But because uh, I think they do need some more tag teams down in NXT if they want to try to compete with AEW. And then on the AEW side, we had uh, a six man of the, I guess uh, this now, I guess after the match, we had the formed faction, which we don't know if it has a name or not, but Jericho led team of uh, Jericho and um, Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX versus the Elite. I heard they gave those guys a new name and I guess they dropped it right away because even I thought that it sucked. What was it? What what was it? I mean, you can find it online, yeah, but yeah. the thing is that they had it for just a spell. Just and I thought like just, I mean, if you can't come up with nothing better than this, just call them you know Ortiz and Santana, and yeah, now yeah. they are. So yeah. yeah, I guess they're they're probably playing around with some stuff. But um, this match on AEW was definitely there to serve a completely different purpose than the match on NXT. Whereas the match on NXT, I mean, was a great tag team match. Um, I really liked it. I thought. It was loads of action, really good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe at some points too much, but then again, uh, it was they were really trying to get people away from watching uh, AEW. So mm -hmm. um, the big story here is uh, after the match uh, completes, uh, finishes up, where Undisputed Era is still the the tag team champions. Mm -hmm. um, they're standing in the middle of the ring there because I think Roderick Strong kind of uh, interfered there around the end. It wasn't like a huge interference, but he came in. And they got the, the their fourth member, Adam Cole, at the, the ring entrance or the entranceway and out walks Tommaso Ciampa. Mm -hmm. And I guess got gets the big pop there. And, and that there again you have now another return. And so, and I guess they did a 15-minute over over. Uh, run or whatever they mm -hmm. they advertise that they're going to go 15 minutes over their TV allowed time or something like that mm -hmm. but um, to try to try to get more people tuning in or, or try to hit some numbers I don't know what they were trying to do but something anyway mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. what did you think of that match well the NXT yeah I thought it was good I mean it, it was it was pretty uh, how could you say I don't think it, there was anything wrong with it inherently. There was a bit of, like a, a small amount of miscommunication towards the end when mm. Montez gets into the ring and he starts hitting those, uh, the, they're not quite like stinger splashes, but like corkscrew splashes in the corner. And the guy's not ready in the corner yet. And he's like, he's, he's got a, he's got a flub for a bit. Yeah. Right? I, I know exactly the spot. You're so, talking so about. the thing is, it's like when I was talking a, a while ago about uh, rhythm in a match, like the ACDC, that steady rhythm, especially on your comebacks, mm. especially on your hot sequences, you have to keep up the steady rhythm. You can't have breaks because it destroys the flow. Right. Here, that's what exactly, they compromise that one spot in the match where they just got a little bit off key and off kilter, right at, at a critical moment at the end. Yeah. They flubbed. Um but they got it back. Mm. But still, it's it, it, like for, for the high-profile event that this was, because this was the the initial shots fired for the Monday night or the the Wednesday night wars. Mm. Yeah, it does count. It does count because that uh, even if it's a small little glitch, and even if people like in TV land can't break it down on this level because they're not like wrestling, how could you say experts or what what you know what have you? Yeah, they're not part of the business. Um, they don't know how to analyze what they're seeing, but they know that something's wrong. Yeah, I hear you. So, but on the other side um, of the pond, AEW, this uh, Jericho and Ortiz Santana against the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. 
Kenny was in there just to do a few spots, just to show, you know, his a few trademarks until John Moxley gets back into the mix behind Kenny attacks him. And I got something to say. So we're going to be doing this as a double header. So we got like two episodes now shooting the shiz out this week. The the next one's going to be this uh, hell in a cell recap. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking about some messy and some loose and some like non-committal offense. But let me say this in WWE, John Moxley, known then as Dean Ambrose. I had a big problem with a lot of his offense looking like he just didn't bother trying to lay it in. Like he wasn't aiming. He wasn't, there was like. Lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was lazier. Then it was just lackadaisical or then it was like sloppy. Mm. Right. And now that part of John Moxley has returned here in this attack on Kenny Omega. So the first shots, as soon as Kenny turns around, boom, 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 and he starts laying in those knees. And I was looking at... Yeah, the first, knees were just... Oh, they're horrible, because he's, he's nowhere near the guy. Mm. Okay, so he's just flailing. And that's the thing with, like, nowadays, just flailing your body and just, mm. like, energy, energy. But, hey, that's not the name of the game. Lay it in. I mean, make your moves count. It's not just creating motion. It's giving intent to the motion. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, this and, this needed to be mm. very nasty looking. Yeah, it should have been brutal. Yeah, um, the first time that Moxley debuted, double or nothing, and he attacked Omega, it was much better. Yeah, I wonder if he's still uh, worried about his elbow at this moment. Although he's wrestling in a few days, how does that affect his knees? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't your you know? Don't you elbow with your knee? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, but the thing, I don't know. But See, you know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. maybe he he was just, maybe. I don't know, worried about his, uh, you know, uh, but I agree with you that it, everything was basically building up for that gimmick table business mm. at the end, which I thought was cool, whatever. It was, it reminded me a lot of um, uh, those old school, you know, well, it reminded me a lot of Monday Night War stuff where mm. they would go to the fake so, you know what I actually thought they should have done here? Hmm. Do you remember the Taskmaster? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit had this match. Can't remember what uh, pay-per-view or wherever it was. Mm. But they went up. It was some kind of no-holds-barred deal. Yeah. They mm. went up into this, in, all the way into the back and into the bathroom. Yeah. And, and they were, like, whacking each other in the urinals and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, and, the, and uh, Benoit pushed Sullivan's head down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought... They could, they should have gone and done something there, but then they had the, and the best part about this brawl off yeah. into the uh, phony VIP section, mm-hmm. which was a little bit too obviously phony. But mm. the best part was that Jr. They, I think Excalibur was like they're battling off into the VIP area, and Jr. was like, "We have a VIP area." Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, totally why didn't why didn't anybody tell me about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I, mm. you know whatever. I thought it. I thought it was pretty okay, and uh, I thought the glass table gimmick, people popped hard for it. And yeah, it but was... it's like but the sugar glasses, like you know, the, back when James Storm used to hit guys in Impact mm. with you know the sugar glass. Uh, was it the the beer bottle? Yeah, I, I thought it's just, it's so obvious. It's a gimmick bottle. Yeah, the it just like disintegrates. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous because who's buying this crap? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind is buying. And, and, and who sells a beer bottle like that? Yeah, and the thing is that it, it destroys. All of the wrestling that you do up to that point mm. becomes 
like compromised or then it becomes a moot point because yeah. then you've just exposed the business. Yeah. And, you know, so with a sugar glass I can do without, you can still get away with like doing something nasty enough, nasty looking enough that you don't have to make it look like it's just a gimmicked, uh, you know, stunt set. But this match, otherwise, this was not a pay-per-view level match. No. This was a television match. Totally. Completely. Um, which because they're doing television is a smart move. Mm -hmm. So this match was orchestrated to work out and tell the continuation or then launch uh, several different storylines going forward. So they, they, they kept the wrestling, the actual wrestling to a minimum here. Yeah. They filled the time with all kinds of crazy things that would keep people engaged. They hit enough key spots to still make it seem like it was like, hey, this is a cool match. Yeah. It wasn't uh, a five-star affair, so to speak, in any way, shape, or form. Not at all, yeah. But it wasn't engineered for that either. No, yeah. The the story of this match, outside of that John Moxley attack again on Kenny Omega, was the post-match. Mm. So where it breaks down into a big schmoz, Jericho defeats, uh, or it beats, was it Nick? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with, uh, what's his last name? Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, Jackson of the Young Bucks. With a code breaker. I thought the... Oh, the, he beat the, him with the Judas effect. Oh, sorry, Judas yeah. effect. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then, But you know what? The, the the finish was really poorly done in one specific aspect. Yeah. That was that when it broke down at the end and they got rid of the other Young Buck mm. out of the ring, Nick Jackson just became flustered. Yeah. He didn't fight back. He didn't, like, bother to... To, to just keep it, maintain an offense or whatever, the fighting spirit. He just got flustered and they just took over on him out of nowhere. And they hit the last three moves on him, boom, 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 uh, that crescendo that finally ends in the Judas effect. Yeah. And I thought that that just killed Nick Jackson. Mm. Like as far as like, he's one of the main players on the, on the freaking show. And they, it's like, if you watch it back and you analyze and you look closely at how, they finished up on Nick Jackson and the fact that he didn't bother fighting back. It was just, he was just with the program, so to speak, mm. and went into the finish and just ate the pinfall. Not good. Not good. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, uh, then again, like you said, it was it was all about what happened next. Yes. So then we had a huge beatdown on outnumbered Young Bucks. Uh, Cody comes down, uh, you know, big pop. Uh, Guevara comes down, hits uh, Cody in the nuts. Big pop. Uh, who else? Then Dustin Rhodes comes down. Mm -hmm. Big pop. Mm -hmm. Why was he in full gear, makeup, and everything? I don't was, know. Was was he, he on the, the undercard? Because now they're doing. By the way, they're going to be doing AEW Dark right on Tuesday nights. Right, right. I don't know if it's going to be on TNT or if it's going to be on. It's going to be released on the internet, but I, I think it's going to be on uh, on the on the net. But the, yeah. my, my question too is that if Dustin was not wrestling on the undercard, then why the hell was he in full gear? Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe mm. he was not. There were supposed to be supposedly four matches on the undercard, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so very possible he was there. Mm -hmm. Either way, he comes out, uh, starts to clean house, and then we have the big reveal of. Uh, Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger, or was it Jake or Jack? I can't remember which one is. Jake the, Hager. Jake Hager, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, 
who's been in Bellator, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and won two of his, two out of two. I mm-hmm. guess he's a, he's a victories. And uh, he's still in Bellator and, and going to be back and forth with AEW and Bellator. So mm-hmm. uh, huge dude. Mm-hmm. Um, great. I thought he looked really good. Yeah, um, I liked how he came out in the street clothes and looked all. Yeah, he's not geared up. Yeah, looked all badass. Did some did some solid slams and things, and very different from what we've seen out of most of the AEW uh, roster of high flying athletic moves. He's doing power moves, mm-hmm. and I guess they don't have they. The only other big guy they have is Luchasaurus. Yeah, and he's not. I mean, we have, we all love Luchasaurus, but he's not really the serious right. wrestler. And mm-hmm. here we got like a he's legit. Mm-hmm. People know. He's won like legit fights, mm-hmm. and he looks legit. Yep. He had a great stare in his eyes. Mm-hmm. He's got that cauliflower ear. He's you know a head taller than Jericho, mm-hmm. and um, and then it seems as though they reveal this faction, which I guess it's kind of to counteract the elite. And um, with uh, you have your tag team. Santana and Ortiz, you got your heavyweight champion or, I guess, world champion in Jericho. You got mm-hmm. your cruiserweight in Sammy Guevara. And then you have your... Hard hitter. Yeah, hard hitter. Or, or your muscle. Enforcer. Yeah, mm. your diesel or bad look mm-hmm. folly or whatever. Mm-hmm. So here you've got your a legit, pretty badass faction. And um, I thought it was a good way to go off TV because yeah. this actually made me want to watch next week. Cliffhanger. Which, which I thought that NXT didn't have really that they mm. kind of had with Ciampa coming out but that didn't really set anything up for next week you know but the thing is Ciampa's been off TV you know, for such a long time that now when he came back it felt like a big deal like what's next I guess, I guess. So, but the thing is yeah I think that like starting out um, hard to say which one of these I think that like starting out NXT started stronger I think that finishing AEW finished stronger Mm. So, uh, the next outing will be, uh, as you hear this, either tomorrow or tonight. So if this yeah. episode comes out here on Tuesday, as re- we record this on a Tuesday, uh, it'll be tomorrow. So Wednesday night is the war night. Battle two. Yeah. It's, it's the battleground. And I guess this will be a, a little bit more of an indication as to which side of the fence are people going to go on. Yeah, because, absolutely. Uh, yeah. now we've, you know, we've got... I think maybe that, what was it, NXT did just under 900,000 yep. viewers, and then AEW did... No, just under 10,000, I think it was. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then AEW did... Uh, uh, four... Sorry, under under 100,000. Yeah, sorry. Uh, under under 1 million, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, right, right. And then uh, AEW does a uh, million four, roughly, in, Something in, in on that top neighborhood. That, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we're going to see, like, where does that audience split, and... Um, does it really split, or is does AEW just have its own audience generally? But uh, it'll be because that's the thing. We had NXT got what the highest number they got was one point two, mm. and then now if you add up, it's over two million people then watching NXT and AEW. Mm-hmm. So there is a chunk of people who just came in for AEW. Yeah, that's right. So let's see. I mean, it's really going to be really really interesting how this the rest of the month unfolds. But yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up uh, for episode one. We're going to come back and do Hell in a Cell review and uh, talk to you about that interesting uh, rendition of this Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that WWE just let out. 
Uh, and that's going to be an episode two, but thanks for joining us here for the first ever review and talk about the Wednesday Night Wars between WWE's NXT and AEW's Dynamite. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on social media wherever you can. Instagram, Facebook, we're on SoundCloud, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Spotify is a big one. Apple, uh, I guess, iTunes, the podcast central there. Podbean, and we're going to be experimenting with other podcast, I guess, uh, hosting people uh, in the very near future. But find us out. Check out Shootin' the Shizat. You'll find us on Google, definitely. So we'll catch you on the next time.